0: Well, Father's Day is a day of celebration, but Father's Day is also, I wonder if you've noticed, is an imperfect day. Father's Day is an imperfect day. How do we celebrate Father's Day? Uh, it may have been for you, uh, you called up your dad or you saw your dad, uh, perhaps you lived with your dad and you got up and, and dressed in your dad's clothes um, to say, I want to grow up to be like dad, that's what my kids did. Uh, that's what Amy had our kids do. But Father's Day is a celebration day, and like other days we celebrate, it's got its own particular ways we celebrate dads. How do we celebrate dads? Well, last night, um, the boys and I were talking before we prayed, so my seven-year-old and five-year-old, and we're talking about Father's Day and how we celebrate it, and I said, well, one way you could do that is by saying dad jokes. And they're like, what's a dad joke? And I'm like, my goodness, uh, ha- have you not been my children for so long and not heard dad jokes? And so I, I told them some dad jokes. And, um, and so, you know, dad jokes, you know dad jokes. Who doesn't love a good dad joke or a bad dad joke? Isn't that the point? They're supposed to be good, bad as dad jokes, aren't they? Um, I told them a few. Uh, here's one. Um, if your child says, uh, please may I leave the table? And then the dad says, where are you going to leave it? <laughs> um, perhaps the next one. I told this to my boys last night. I said, boys, I can cut wood just by looking at it. And they were really? I said, yeah, I saw it with my eyes. And Knox cracked up laughing and Wesley went, <laughs> it seems funny. <laughs> you see, dad jokes aren't always funny, are they? They can be bad jokes as dad jokes. Um, here's the last one I'll say for this morning. It goes like this. I, I Finally, I bought that large thesaurus I've been looking for for ages. You know, I-, I wanted it for a long time. I got it online and it, it arrived. But there's a printing error and its pages were blank. And now... I have no words to describe how angry I am. Do you get it? Yeah. The people here did, so I could hear it. It's <laughs> dad jokes. Father's Day is a celebration day, isn't it? Whether it be dad jokes, bad jokes, whatever it is, it's a celebration day. But something else that we need to, we can recognize about Father's Day today As we celebrate our fathers, our dads, for some of us, Father's Day is also, can be, a day of sadness. For like many things in our world, Father's Day is imperfect. Our world is imperfect and Father's Day is an imperfect day. There are things we love about Father's Day, to be sure. Things we love about our dads. I miss mine, and he's over the border, so I haven't been able to hug him, well, since the start of the year. But for others, they've got a deeper sadness than just missing your dad who's over the border. Perhaps you miss your dad because he's no longer with us. And that's more than sadness. It's heartbreaking. It's a heartache. Some of us have great experiences with our dad. I've got a great dad, um, and then if you're like me, you've noticed that your dad can be a great dad and yet you've noticed over the years he's still flawed and, and I'm still flawed. Um, he's not perfect, I'm not perfect. Uh, even this, you may have noticed your dad has failed. And I hope you've noticed that you and I have failed. Many men today, I notice this as I talk with men I read the Bible with them in person when I can. Looking forward to lockdowns finishing. Going to take that opportunity up as much as possible. All men who are members of the Reforming Church, I want to meet with you and read the Bible with you regularly. But here's what I notice as I meet with you, as I uh, meet other men, men in my own family, I've noticed this. Many men in 2021 feel like failures. Many men... Perhaps they don't say it out loud, but they feel it internally. They, they get to middle age and they question that, of course, that crisis. We give that language to it, a middle-aged, midlife crisis. But it's more than that. It's, it's a feeling of failing. And we live in a world that doesn't allow failure. At least we don't deal with failure very well at all. We hide our failures and then we hurl ridicule at others who fail We pretend we've got it all together, but that veneer wears off very thinly, doesn't it? Especially in lockdown life. We speak about others with slander and we say, I'm just telling my story. And this is a summary of the situation our world sits in. Why? Because ever since
1: Genesis 3, we all fail at love. Don't we? We all fail at love. We lack
0: love. We lack love for others, perhaps it's for our neighbours over the fence or the neighbouring nation over the ocean. We fail love for friends, even for our own family. We fail at the basic and the beautiful thing that God created us to do and that is to love God who made you and love the people made in God's image just like you. We fail at that. There are 613 Old Testament laws, if you count them. God knows that we can't hold perhaps 613 in our head, so he gives Israel 10, the Decalogue, the 10 commandments. And then Jesus comes along and says, let me summarize all that in a word, it's love. And he says two things, love God, love your neighbor. We can't even do that very well. I can't. And here's what happens next. Not only do we fail at love, but our world doesn't give grace and space to admit that. To confess that to be honest about that to get help and healing for our failings and we feel this all the more friends on father's day like we feel it viscerally we feel it because we lack space and grace to celebrate father's day that is for failures here's a test i put up a facebook post and immediately we couldn't admit that we couldn't say that on, on that earlier week Facebook post, people, we could not admit that Father's Day could be for failures, that God could come for failures. Why we must pretend, I don't know, but it's not doing us any good. Does it lead to love? No, it leads to fights. It leads to disagreement. It leads to people hurling attacks on one another. This Father's Day, today, in lockdown of all times, We need this all the more because lockdown life magnifies the problem before us of our feelings of failure. So this Father's Day, friends, can we be honest? Let's be honest. That's all of us. It's one of those days we celebrate as a society, yes. And that celebration may be soured for some of us who haven't got good fathers. In a day where some men mourn that they aren't a dad in a day where we can sometimes feel the sadness of just being sentimental, being all the hallmark card about it, as we measure our life's performance and self-worth on days like Father's Day. And we wonder, do I measure up? Yet for us as a church, it's an opportunity now to gaze into the fatherhood of God and find mercy and grace for our failures and celebrate something special God has given us. This Father's Day, we're going to hear God speak to us from the Scriptures in three ways. Firstly, we're going to hear about God our Father who is firstly and foremost for us. Secondly, we're going to see what this means for our fathers here on earth. And thirdly, how men, in fact, how women, how all of us, our whole church community can all be spiritual parents. This is deep, it's wide, it's simple, it's profound and it's going to change us today. Jesus is going to change things today. Are you ready? Seatbelt on. Let's go. Father's Day is a day for failures. Let's brace, embrace that. Brace for it and embrace it. It's something that we need to get now. Father's Day is for failures and that's why firstly we need our Father in heaven. If you're following along at home, there is a service sheet online at our live stream page. But let me tell you, our first point comes from our first Bible reading in John 14. So, if you go back to John 14, you'll see our Father in Heaven is someone we get to see in all and how wonderful, profound He is. Is a Father who loves us. This Father's Day, we pick up John 14 and we find ourselves in the context of this moment. It's the night before Jesus was betrayed. So the first half kind of John's Gospel, Jesus does a lot of his life and ministry, but there's a lot now uh, here in John 13 onwards where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And here it's the night before he's betrayed, Jesus is ex- speaking for extended periods and his disciples are asking questions. It's a deep discussion. I wonder if you'd notice, it's a deep discussion here. It's personal. It's powerful. Jesus is speaking of the things of God. He's talking about his work on the cross um, and the gospel and how it's going to go to the world. And Jesus has been calming their troubled hearts. He's speaking about the heavenly home. The Father in heaven is preparing. Jesus says here in John 14 that he is the only way, truth, and life. He's the only one that gets you to the Father in heaven. And then Philip, in John 14, verse 8, asks a question. John 14, verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Philip wants Jesus to reveal who God the Father is like. He wants Jesus to get God the Father to make an appearance. Show us what he's like, Jesus. Now, Moses and Isaiah had been given limited glimpses of God. But Jesus says in verse 9, Philip, you, me, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You see, John's gospel right from the beginning of the gospel uh, has been showing who God the Father is, God the Son is, and God the Holy Spirit is. He is one God. So John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So that when Jesus makes it clear who the father is, he does so by saying in this in John 14, verse 10, I am in the father and the father is in me. And not many moments later, Jesus speaks of God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit being one God, and the Father and the Son then sending the Spirit after Jesus goes to the cross, the resurrection, and is ascended on high. So we see in John 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, forget this. Now here's the kicker. He dwells with you, so he is here now, and will be in
1: you later. God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit. The only true
0: and living God who is real and reveals himself to us, Jesus Christ is the one who reveals that God. Now over the centuries of the early church, there's been many heresies, uh, people steering off the track in wrong directions in trying to explain who God is. The early church fathers worked through these controversies and they formed councils. Uh, many worked through these things over the years, the Bibles open and minds and hearts, uh, deeply exploring the things of God himself. These councils came to form creeds. Um, trustworthy saying, we've seen in the Bible as a few creeds, and if you want to look at more at creeds, when, the, um, when lockdown life ends and Sunday seminars start up again, Sunday evenings, 5pm, we're going to be looking at Trinitarian theology and councils and creeds and things like that. But we have creeds today that we kind of roll off and use. But these were deeply worked so that we know who God is. So the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and we have the Chalcedonian Creed, Athanasian Creed, creeds that help us say what we believe about God, what the Bible teaches, what Jesus teaches about God. For you today... There is a wonderful way to remember who God is that helps us not steer off in wrong directions. It's the way Jesus reveals God to us here in John 14, in John's Gospel, in the Scriptures, and that is we know and believe in one God, three persons. One God, three persons. So much so that last night over dinner we were talking about this and our kids and our five-year-old was able to sing the One God, Three Persons song he'd learned in the Catechism, in the New City Catechism. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And so what do we see here today on Father's Day? What is the significance of knowing we have a Father in heaven? Look at the context of John 14. See, Jesus in John fourteen is not just giving a Sunday seminar. It's not just okay, guys. At five pm this evening, we're going to have a bit of a supper, and um, you know, and then um, we're going to have some talking time. I'm going to do some talking. I'll take questions. By the way, I'm going to be betrayed and killed on a cross the next few days. No, it's not like that. It's not just a kind of a structured time in the week where they are set aside for some teaching time. The context of John fourteen is Jesus is getting deeply personal and showing them the powerful God that they're going to need in dark days, in the dark night they're going to experience right now. These disciples are about to go through a moment where their whole world is going to be turned upside down. Their hopes are going to be dashed, their expectations collapsed. And and the Lord Jesus lovingly explains how wonderful it is they've got a Father in heaven who cares for them, who prepares a place for them, because they're going through dark days now. Do you know what it's like to go through dark days? Do you know what it's like to be in a situation where you can't travel more than 5Ks from your home, can't exercise for more than, I've lost count how many hours or minutes it's meant to be? Do you know what it's like to go through dark days? people who go through dark days need to know they have a Father in heaven who loves them. That's the point this Father's Day. Now, if I was Philip and I was asking this question, I could be a little bit embarrassed, right? You know, oh man, I said it in front of my friends and Jesus showed me I was wrong. But I think the reason Philip asked this question, because he asked it for people like you and me who are slow learners, and after hearing Jesus' patient and loving reply, by Jesus revealing the Father, we actually see the Father loves slow learners, like me, like you. You see, we think, we expect our Father in heaven to be kind of all you know, grumpy with us all the time, cold-shouldering us. Perhaps we treat our Father in heaven like we treat those fathers who have not been kind to us at times. And, and Jesus is really showing us our Father loves us differently than we've ever perhaps seen or expected. He loves slow learners. He doesn't come to scold us. He comes to be kind to us, prepare a place for us, to love us and send his Son for us. To know the Father's love, that he would love us so much to send his one and only Son to die for us, reveals his heart for us. We worship God who gives grace to failures, to forgive and love us as truly our father could. For just as God the Father loves us, he gives us grace through God the Son and then the powerful regenerating work of God the Spirit. And now because of his work, one God, three persons, we are adopted
1: children of our Father in heaven. Growing up, my sister and I, i have only got one sister,
0: we used to be awful to one another in the way we teased one another. I would acknowledge that. I don't know if she ever watches these sermons. Maybe she does. Hi, Rose. But we used to be awful. And if we were going to be really cruel to one another, we used to say a really cruel thing to one another. In the heat of conflict,
1: we would say, You're adopted. It's pretty awful now I think about it. Forgive me, Rose. I love you. I repent. But when you think
0: about it, why do we say that? Because we thought being adopted was not a good thing. We thought, you know, wow, you're born into the family. That's great. But just take a breath. Take a look. When you look at the way God the Father treats us, we're all wayward children He comes in to adopt us as his own. Adoption is one of the highest forms of love because it's where the father or a parent sets their love on you. They choose you. They say, I'm going to love you. You're mine. They adopt. Adoption's beautiful. I saw this in later years. In later years, I became good friends with a guy who all his children were adopted. And if you ever saw a child fall off a bit of playground equipment or perhaps be kind of harassed by a dog that was walking through the park, if you wanted to see a father's love, this guy was there. He was there to love them and protect them because he'd adopted them. They were his own.
1: That's love. And that's the love that the Father has given us, adoption. It's gracious, it's his affections, and it's beautiful. Now, what does that mean for our fathers on
0: earth? This is where we went to Ephesians 6, uh, verses 1 to 4. We turn from John's Gospel, we go to Ephesians, and in Ephesians 6, um, verses 1 to 4, we see what it means... uh, to understand how God has designed fatherhood on earth. So, Ephesians is one of those letters like 1 Thessalonians that we're currently in a series in on pause for today. It's like many letters in the New Testament. It's kind of in two halves. The first half is all God's grace to us and what He's done for us in Christ. And the second half is now how we live for Christ because that's the way the gospel works it's not the other way around if it was live for christ and then he gives you grace well that's not how the gospel works the gospel is of grace that's not grace the grace of the gospel is jesus has done it for you now you can live for him it's very freeing and this is what ephesians is about so ephesians 6 comes in the second half in the context of that because of what jesus has done we believe in him and now we get to be like him And so Ephesians 6, we pick it up, children obey your parents. Children obeying parents, fathers, we see fathers on this Father's Day, verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now
1: what does that mean, to not provoke your children to anger? I've met a lot of people as I've shared the gospel over the years, and especially I've noticed this in Bendigo.
0: I've met a lot of people who'll say things like, oh, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church, but now I'm angry with the church. I'm angry with Christianity. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. I'm done with that. And why? Because of the Christians. Now, that's kind of a motherhood statement. It's, uh, it's anyone can say that, but it's not the actual answer. So I like to gently get to know them, get to know me, and just, just gently
1: ask the next question that rarely gets asked. But why? What happened? And often, this is what is an answer. Well, I
0: grew up in the church, but what I noticed is church was all about being positive and it never let me be negative. It never let me have sadness. It never let me be real. And then there were people in the church and perhaps even my parents who kept telling me to be good and be happy. But what I noticed is about the church or my parents is they were not always good and they were not always happy. And it seemed hypocritical. That's a common way that people have really been bitten by a moralism,
1: a falseness, a dishonesty, even in Christianity. So...
0: What I notice is this. There are people growing up in churches, in Christian communities, in families, where when they see those discipling them, those leading them, can't admit fault, or they actually see them with their own failings, they look at that and go, well, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want a part of it. But you know what our kids need most of all? They need to hear... Especially on Father's Day, their dads say, you know what, kids? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being more cross than I needed to be at that moment. I'm sorry because daddy's a sinner too and daddy needs Jesus too. I need grace. Will you forgive me? Our kids need us to say that. Our kids need us to believe the gospel. Our kids need us to be honest and not hypocrites. Who does Jesus speak against most in the Gospels? He speaks against hypocrisy. He hangs out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors and all the bad people and he says to those who pretend to be good, you're just hypocrites, you're whitewashed walls. Now let's be honest now and raise our kids with honesty that says, I am a sinner who needs a saviour who is Jesus I'm grateful for grace. Because in Ephesians 6 verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Because I reckon if you live your life as a hypocrite, you'll provoke your children to anger. And they don't want anything to do with Christianity, if that's what Christianity is. Which, by the way, read the gospel, read the Bible, it's not. Rather, the second part of that verse, this is what the gospel is. This is what Christianity is. Ephesians 6 verse 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That is not be all serious with them and tell them how bad they are. To bring a child up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is not, you're always right, dad. It's to admit, I am a sinner and I'm often wrong. Church, can we admit this? Could we say this? Could this become our summary statement? I'm often wrong. I'm constantly weak and I'm always welcome. Could that be us? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What is the discipline and instruction of the Lord? It's the gospel. It's the gospel of grace. Dads, you have a wonderful opportunity to disciple your children, to teach them, to love them, to lead them to Christ in every moment of their lives. And when they fail, and they will because you do too, show them daddy is a sinner too who, like children, need Christ and are grateful for his grace. My dad is not an influencer. He's not on social media. He doesn't even own a smartphone. My dad is not famous in his community. He's not a big farmer. He doesn't have an important uh, notoriety. He's not, like, he's not a big guy. He's not important to anyone, but he's important to me. And you know why? Because he influenced me. And how did he influence me? Because he showed me he was a sinner too who needed grace. He showed me what it's to say. I love
1: Jesus because he first loved me. That changes the world, friends. Changes the world. Because Jesus changes everything.
0: On Father's Day, most of all, we recognize how important raising children is. We don't seek to see children raised into adulthood where every moment they obey their parents. They obey their parents when they're children. But how we raise our kids? We raise them to be adults who honour their parents, who honour their father and mother. And how do they honour them? Well, the best way to honour them is to say,
1: you know what, you raised me to see I'm a sinner too, I'm a failure, I need Jesus too. That's what every parent wants to see. Raise them to know Christ dear friends at this point I just want to pause I recognize the time I see the time
0: but I want to pause at this point and talk about I think it's good and loving to speak about this what about those of us who've had abusive fathers how do we relate to them Well the gospel declares that we're all sinners, and Jesus is the Saviour of all who repent and believe in Him. This means that we ought to, at both the same time, two things when it comes to abusive fathers two things we need to do at both at the same time. Firstly, we need to rescue victims from abusive relationships. We need to rescue victims from abusive relationships. And secondly, help abusers to repent by going to Christ for help and renewal. So when it comes to abusive parental situations, firstly, we need to be on about, the church needs to be on about, helping people to be rescued
1: from abusive situations. And secondly, help abusers to repent by going to Christ. Can I
0: say this is a complex ministry? Uh, We need to pray for wisdom for those of us who serve in it. We are predictably and routinely accused by abusers of doing them wrong. We often feel helpless that we can't do more for victims. And we must pray with purpose as we rescue victims and see abusers repent for their own eternal rescue. And there's much more to say and could be said and there's much more that many don't see in this ministry. It's behind closed doors, it's done carefully. But can I say this lastly, just on this point. If you need to talk with someone, please get help today. You can go
1: online, and there's a whole bunch of help, professional help you need right now. Our Father in Heaven is a perfect Father and the model for all fathers on earth, but many of us fail. And a lot of us need help. Our Father in Heaven is a perfect Father. He gives us earthly fathers.
0: But lastly, thirdly, He gives us Spiritual fathers. That's why we read 2 Timothy chapter 1. So if we go there now, 2 Timothy chapter 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, as Meg read, we see a whole bunch of relationships here. We see actually a picture of a church where not all fathers are dads. Our church has many men who are not dads. I'm currently looking around at empty seats here right now. (laughs) You'd be here, but you're there. There are many of us who are not dads. We are a church of men and women who are very dear to one another. So what does the Bible say today on this Father's Day? Does it mean it's got nothing to say to you and I? No. Of course, we've all got a father. But more than that, you see, the gospel, the, the trajectory of the gospel is different to the way the world sees fatherhood. The trajectory of the gospel is not now one of pro-generation. It's actually of something different. It's of regeneration. Um, Many years ago, I was studying at theological college, and I wrote a paper on this. I was single at the time, I was in my early 30s, and I wrote a paper on this because I noticed this, something profound, different between the Old Testament and the New Testament. See, in the Old Testament, um, if you weren't married in the Old Testament and you didn't have children in the Old Testament, it was, it was unique. It was different, because the norm was, God extended His Nation Israel, the kingdom, he did that through progeneration. People got married, had kids and families, the big family became a nation. You know the Old Testament story, perhaps. And so that's the norm. It was unique not to be married and unique not to have kids. And the Bible often shows us that. Also shows us that when people are not married and don't have kids, God does significant things there. But then we get into the New Testament and something even more powerful happens. It's not about pro-generation anymore. In the New Testament, God doesn't extend his family, his people, his kingdom through just kids being born. He extends it through people being born again. He extends it through regeneration. And this is significant for us to understand as a church now. You see, when the God-man comes, Jesus... Jesus is not only truly God but he's truly human and not only is he single with no earthly children but Jesus changes everything about father's fatherhood, he changes everything about Father's Day. For in the New Testament God grows his family as children are born twice, born again and adopted by the Father. Parents are the primary disciple-makers, yes, absolutely. But there's an old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. It actually takes a church family to disciple children and teach
1: them in the Lord. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith,
0: a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now, and I'm sure, dwells in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love and self-control. See, we have no evidence the Apostle Paul had earthly children. But he calls Timothy and Titus, this sort of phrase, my true child in the faith. And here in his second letter to Timothy, he writes about the relationship that Timothy, whose earthly father was a Greek and his mum was Jewish and his grandmother and mother were believers in Christ. Timothy's discipleship in the Lord, one here, is of being spiritually raised by men and women who were not his earthly father, but his spiritual fathers, including men and women. So next year we get to Mother's Day, we'll see something else about this, which I think is profound and helpful on Mother's Day. Have a look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Follow the pattern of sound words. The word sound, by the way, can be healthy, healthy doctrine. Follow the pattern of healthy doctrine that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. What we see here is the beauty of being raised in the church, friends. Following the pattern of sound doctrine, healthy doctrine of the gospel, and Timothy is told, just as you were raised on the gospel, the gospel is a good deposit that was passed on to you, Timothy. And what are you to do, Timothy? We don't know if Timothy was married or had kids himself. But what is he to do? He's to then teach others, other children in the church. So that Timothy would become a spiritual father to them too. Here's what I find so fascinating and encouraging about this letter this is the last letter the Apostle
1: Paul writes. He's about to die. And what is he intent on doing? He's writing
0: to Timothy, to the church, to us, to say, You're all spiritual fathers. And as he writes to Timothy, he acknowledges fairly regularly to Timothy, Timothy, you're a weak person. You feel your own weaknesses. Now
1: remember, who's writing that? Paul, who says, I am weak. Are you weak? I'm weak.
0: And he writes to Timothy saying, this is how we disciple one another to find their strength
1: in Christ. Wow. Reforming church, men and women, we are all
0: spiritual parents. We're all spiritual parents. Knox, Wesley and Chloe need you to pray for them. Disciple them in kids' church and one day in youth group. And we look forward to the last day when you will be honoured. You will be honoured on the last day as you disciple them. Yes, we are their paternal parents. But do you know on the last day, if you pour your life into and disciple Knox, Wesley and Chloe, they're your spiritual kids too and you will be honoured on that day. We can look forward to when all spiritual parents and disciple makers in the Lord will be honoured. This Father's Day, we've heard God speak to us from the scriptures. We've heard of the one who is our father in heaven. We've heard of how that shapes earthly fathers. And now we see we're all spiritual fathers in the Lord. Father's Day, therefore, is for all of us because Father's Day is for failures. It's a day when sometimes we can feel, I can feel sadness in the sentimentality that I don't measure up to.
1: My life's performance, my self-worth, it won't match the expectation that's often on Father's Day.
0: Every single person's earthly father has failed them in one way or another. Every single earthly person's father has failed sin, not love as we should have, could have in one way or another. But today we get to see, on of all the days in the year, we get to see Father's Day is for failures. And here's the good news this Father's Day. Here's the gospel. Jesus came for failures. Jesus doesn't come for the positive ones the upbeat ones, the ones that are always happy. He doesn't come for the strong. He doesn't come for the righteous, the self-righteous. He doesn't come for the ones who pretend. He doesn't come for the hypocrites. He doesn't come for the ones that are always right and everyone else is always wrong. Jesus comes for failures, to forgive them, to love them, to eat with them,
1: to say, you get to be a child of God too. So why don't you today? Come into God's family. Know him as your Father through the Son. Be inwardly changed by the Spirit.
0: You may have noticed this. It's simple, so I'm a slow learner. But every year,
1: when does Father's Day fall? Every year. It's on a Sunday. And every year, Father's Day, therefore, is on the Lord's Day. So this Father's Day, look to the Lord, fellow failures. Let's pray.
0: Our Father in heaven, thank you that you are the Father who forgives, adopts, loves, provides, cares, saves, and keeps us safe in Christ. We have seen your love, your deep, deep love today and we live grateful lives knowing we get to savour your love forever because how vast it is beyond all measure. Thank you Father,
1: in your Son's name we pray, we say, Amen.